Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Rob Kendall, the program is Statehouse Happenings, your weekly look at what's going on with Indiana politics and government. On the program today, we're going to take a look at the big news from last week, which is the Indiana Supreme Court upholding the state of Indiana's almost uh, across the board ban on abortions, which was uh, signed into law last year. And uh, the decision, a four to one decision by the Indiana Supreme Court, it came out of a challenge brought by Planned Parenthood Great Northwest. And uh, by the way, kudos to the Daily Signal for covering the case. Uh, And in the majority, Justice Derek R. Moulter wrote, quote, that the Indiana General Assembly otherwise retains broad legislative discretion for determining whether and the extent to which to prohibit abortions. Now, he also went on to note that the legislation did protect a woman's right to abortion when her life was at risk. And so, for those of you who may not remember, obviously last year this took up a whole lot of time and effort and energy by the Indiana General Assembly. There was a special session called by Governor Eric Holcomb in the summer of 2022 to address the issue amid uh, much fanfare, a lot of debate, a lot of discussion, a lot of protest. And what came out of that uh, legislative session was a near total ban on abortion in the state of Indiana. Again, with the exception in the case of, quote, serious health risk of the pregnant woman or to save the pregnant woman's life, uh, or if the child is diagnosed with a lethal fetal anomaly or rape incest, rape or incest. So basically what... uh, for the majority, Judge Moulter was saying was that that is something the law uh, does take into account the health of the mother, the life of the mother, and then everything else is basically left up to the states. Now, what's interesting about this, in what the Daily Signal described as a partial dissent, Judge Christopher Goff dissented in part because he believed it should be left up to the voters. He believed that what the Supreme Court did last year in the Dobbs versus Jackson decision, which overturned Roe versus Wade, is they sent the decision back to the states. And by sending the decision back to the states, he believes that meant that it was sent to the voters, not to the General Assembly. He wrote, quote, more importantly, I believe that the abortion question is fundamentally a matter of constitutional dimension that should be decided directly by the sovereign people of Indiana. This, again, uh, Supreme Court Justice Christopher Goff here in the state of Indiana. Quote, I would thus urge my colleagues in the Indiana General Assembly to put before Hoosier voters the question whether the term liberty in Article 1, Section 1 of the Indiana Constitution protects a qualified right to bodily autonomy. And ultimately, the decision was 4-1 to one by the Indiana Supreme Court. Again, the program State House Happenings. I'm Rob Kendall. We're taking a, a deep dive today on the Supreme Court of the State of Indiana upholding Indiana's ban on abortion or certainly an expansion of bans on abortion. Now, what's interesting, because you know on the show, one of the things our goal to do is to educate you on how state and local governments work. And one of the things that I wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive into is just how justices, Supreme Court justices in the state of Indiana are chosen because it is much different 
than, say, compared to a, a national Supreme Court justice the way, you know, we saw the Katanji Brown-Jackson hearings, who was chosen by Joe Biden. Before that, we saw Brett Kavanaugh, Neil Gorsuch, Amy Coney Barrett, who was chosen by Donald Trump. So there, the president makes his choice, and then the Senate does what they call advise and consent, have to get a majority of the of the senators uh, to vote for a justice, and then he or she becomes a Supreme Court justice. Much different in the state of Indiana. Now, this is according to the Indiana Supreme Court's own website. Quote, justices are chosen by a process known as, quote, merit selection that fosters input from citizens. To be eligible to serve on the court, a person must have practiced law in Indiana for at least 10 years and have served at least five years as a trial court judge. When a vacancy occurs, a seven-member judicial nominating commission, comprised of attorneys and other citizens, recommends three qualified candidates to the governor. The governor then selects one of these as the new justice. Uh, the same commission also selects one of the five to serve as chief justice for a five-year term. So that's really important because we have seen decisions in the past by the Indiana Supreme Court that may not, despite Indiana being a very conservative uh at least in name. Obviously, we've talked about many times on this show how the Indiana Republican Party doesn't always live up to their party platform, but at least in name, at least in expressed ideology, a very conservative state that the state of Indiana is a Republican state. And sometimes we will see rulings that don't necessarily align up with what we would think of as more conservative justices or more Republican justices, for lack of a better term. And the reason for that is because you don't have really freedom for, in this case, the governor, to make a selection of any judge he, he would like, like you would the president of the United States. You have a, what tends to be, maybe less ideological-driven committee that makes the choice, at least in, in name or in the, the, the way it's set up. And so it really does take away a lot of freedom from the governor to select a person that may fit a judicial philosophy that he agrees with that the president of the United States would have when picking a Supreme Court justice. So there was a lot of question about where the Supreme Court was ultimately going to come down on this because, as we said, you don't have just, hey, this is a Republican governor, obviously in the case of Eric Holcomb, certainly not a conservative anyway, so who knows who he would have picked, but he signed the bill into law. You don't have a conservative governor picking conservative justices. Uh, and so as such, there was some question about where the Indiana Supreme Court would ultimately come down on the abortion decision. Now, what is interesting, though, is that the Indiana General Assembly, and again, for those of you who are longtime listeners of the program, you know, I'm certainly not going to be sprinting to congratulate the Indiana Republican Party just based on their existence or just based on passing law. But in this case, it seems like the Indiana General Assembly, the Indiana Republican Party in, in this case, is I don't think there were any Democrat supports in the House or the Senate, really did what the Supreme Court had instructed them to do in that Dobbs versus Jackson decision in 2022. And what I mean by that is they said, look, the Supreme Court said, this is not an issue for the nation. This is, an, this is a decision for each individual state. And as such, each individual state can craft laws that reflect their values. If Indiana chooses to have more restrictions than, say, a liberal state like Illinois, then that's okay. 
If New York wants to have far fewer restrictions than, say, a state like Indiana, that's fine as well. And it appears that in this case, while I may not or certain people may not think the decision or the, the law went far enough in terms of protecting all babies, because I heard somebody say this years ago and it, it stuck with me. In any question about abortion, the number one question that should be asked is, but what about the baby? And we've talked about this on this show and on our Kendall and Casey show, which we do 9 to noon weekdays on WIBC. That should be the question that's asked, is what about the baby? And so in the case of rape or incest, that's often the conversation that I have had with people who say, well, that, that you should be able to have an abortion with that. I say, what about the baby? But look, I think a in terms of where society is, and if you look at polling, we are a pro-life country uh, largely and pretty much, I mean, overwhelmingly after after 15 weeks. But I think a based on the the mandate of the Supreme Court, which is now the states can make this choice. The states now can reflect the values of their citizens that this is a reasonable approach. It clearly protects the life of the mother. It clearly affects, uh, or, 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 I mean, it clearly rather exempts the life of the mother. It clearly exempts the lethal fetal anomaly. And it goes one step further to say in the case of rape or incest, a woman can have an abortion. And I think that's where the Indiana Supreme Court ultimately came down, which was to say, look, the Indiana General Assembly thought this through. Certainly there are now many more restrictions on an abortion than there were a year ago, but that's okay because that's what the Supreme Court, that was the message that the, the U.S. Supreme Court sent down to the state was that you can do that. Within reason, you can do that. And ultimately, it is up for state Supreme Courts to look at and make that determination if the, the legislatures are, are acting within reason, within the con state constitutions uh, set forth in these various states. And ultimately, the Indiana Supreme Court, by a decision of four to one, decided that they were. And the one judge, Judge Goff, who dissented, dissented in part because, not because he maybe disagreed with the idea of restricting abortion. We don't know. He dissented because he believed it was a choice for the people rather than a choice for the legislature. So let's take a quick break. We'll hear from our very fabulous sponsor, Freedom Foods Indiana. And when we come back, we'll do more of a deep dive on this. This is a, a huge announcement, and we wanted to give it the time it deserved. Uh, I'm Rob Kendall. You're listening to Statehouse Happenings. FreedomFoodsIndiana.com is here to bring fresh fruits and vegetables right to your door. No need to ever leave the home or deal with the stress that is having to go to the store. FreedomFoodsIndiana.com makes it easy to order fresh fruits and vegetables online with the click of a mouse. I'm Rob Kendall. I love FreedomFoodsIndiana.com and I know you will too. It's a great way to keep your family eating right without the hassle of having to shop. FreedomFoodsIndiana.com Rob Kendall, the program, Statehouse Happenings, your weekly look at what's going on with Indiana politics and government. Spending much of our program today talking about the uh, Indiana Supreme Court coming down last week on uh, upholding Indiana's, it's not across the board ban, there are exceptions, but uh, by and large an across the board ban on abortions. Uh, of course, the exceptions uh, continue to include the serious health risk 
of the pregnant woman to or to save the pregnant woman's life if the child is diagnosed with a lethal fetal anomaly or rape or incest. And again, thanks to the, the Daily Signal writing a very nice piece on this covering the Supreme Court ruling here in the state of Indiana. Ultimately, that Supreme Court ruling was four to one. And the one judge dissenting dissented not necessarily because he disagreed with the ban, but rather he believed that it was an issue for the people of the state of Indiana. So last segment, we kind of walked you through exactly what happened. Now, let's talk about the Indiana General Assembly and the action that they took. And uh, again, many of you, longtime listeners to this program, the Kendall and Casey Show on WIBC, know I'm absolutely the last person who's going to be carrying water for the Republican Party or the Indiana General Assembly or the governor, right? But in this case, they did a pretty good job. And the process really worked itself out. And what I mean by that is when the Supreme Court ruling came down, uh, Rod Bray went to a podium and announced that they were going to have, after Holcomb had called for a special session, Eric Holcomb, governor of the state of Indiana, what the bill was going to look like in terms of uh, a ban on abortion. And what happened was there was much fanfare. There were huge protests, all sorts of people at the, the state house, waving signs, chanting, shouting, screaming. And look, there were people on both sides. There were people who were very passionate uh, about the right to an abortion, and there were very passionate people against abortion and protecting the life of a baby. And what happened is, for a mostly peaceful, now there were certainly colorful characters that were there, and there were certainly uh, passionate people, and there were certainly people who probably embarrassed themselves, but by and large, in a peaceful fashion, there were some people who needed to be removed, but in terms of no violence, et cetera, taking place, people went to the Indiana State House, and they had their opportunity to say their piece, and the lawmakers listened, and the lawmakers debated, and the lawmakers came up with a decision that they believed best reflected the will of the people of the state of Indiana. And from a purely political side of things, if you look at the Indiana General Assembly, the Indiana Republicans, despite enacting this, certainly strengthening our pro-life policies in the state of Indiana, we're not punished at all during the midterms. You hear all the time, oh, people, they're going to punish pro-life candidates. They're going to punish people who are not for abortion. Well, clearly, here in the state of Indiana, the Democrats made absolutely no inroads during the 2022 midterms. And so, in a certain sense, the Republican Party was rewarded. Now, they had supermajorities before. They have supermajorities now. But at the very least, they weren't punished. And I think you could make a case they were rewarded for the pro-life position that they took. And I maintain, and we've talked about this many times, whether it's been with Jim Merritt or Abdul, that the various co-hosts we've had on Statehouse Happenings, that the Democrats on the social issues are their own worst enemy because they can't hide their position. They're very public about their position, which the average person in this state views as extreme. And I, I've said this because it, it, is, um, it is the reason that the Indiana Republican Party behaves in such an irresponsible manner fiscally is because they know they can get away with it because at the end of the day, while people are very upset about high taxes, whether it's gas taxes, property taxes, big government spending by the Indiana Republican Party, ultimately, unless there's a viable libertarian or independent running, 
when they get in the ballot box, when they get in the booth, they know they got to make a choice between two people. And while they look at it and say, man, boy, these Republicans are totally irresponsible with my money, they're totally irresponsible in the way they're managing my finances, ultimately, they say if the choice is between irresponsible management of my finances or complete and utter insanity in terms of social issues, we've talked about, obviously, this abortion Issue is one. We've talked about the big protest that when the Republicans pass a law that says you can't teach sex to kindergartners to third graders. People look at these things and say, if you're forcing me to make a choice, I will make a choice that is detriment to my finances in order to ensure a certain level of insan- of sanity in the social causes. And I think this abortion debate and abortion discussion was another example. The Democrat Party remains the party of on-demand abortion. That is that is what they want as a party. They can word it up any way they want as a party, but when you look at the people who were at the state house last year, when you look at the words of the activists, when you look at press releases, when you see this continual fight to try to block really any type of ban on abortion, You realize that this is a party and the people who are in it, now not every person, but many people in it who support on-demand abortion from conception to live birth. And that is a terrible thing. And so for many people, they are willing to sacrifice at the ballot box, and they do year in and year out, an irresponsible management of their finances, which the Republicans are and do and will continue to do, Because they want some form of sanity when it comes to society and dealing with social issues. And if the Democrats, and they show no sign of being willing or able to do this, if the Democrats were able to get themselves in order in terms of a reasonable approach on social issues, and certainly at least trying to meet the people of the state of Indiana halfway— If they could do that, I think they would have an opportunity to make inroads based on the gross mismanagement of finances and other people's money and government spending and the repeated inability to live up to the promises they made in the party platform by the Indiana Republican Party. But they show no willingness to be able to do that. They show no want to be, they show no ability to want to do that. And as such, every single election cycle, they force people to make a choice they don't want to make, which is to select people who are clearly mismanaging their finances. And that is why, a big reason why, one, the Indiana Republican Party maintains a supermajority in the House and Senate and every statewide office. And look, we look at, we've been very critical of multiple people who hold statewide offices in the state of Indiana that are Republicans. C. Diego Morales. But even as competent as someone like Diego may be perceived to be, people are not going to give the Democrats the time of day. Look, the Democrats ran what by a Democrat standard was probably an an A candidate for them in the Secretary of State's race. She got smoked. Because people are not going to give the Democrats the time of day, and they're willing to overlook incompetence and buffoonery from Republicans on a myriad of issues Because the Democrats are so insane and they say we cannot risk that. And until the Democrats are willing to put that sword down and this lust, in this case, for on-demand abortion, 
the people of the state of Indiana are going to continue to reject them and they're going to continue to lose. We saw this play out again last year and every time these big issues happen, whether it is you know trying to teach kids in kindergarten through third grade sex or whether it is the abortion issue, people get a front row reminder of why they can't choose Democrats. I'm Rob Kendall. You're listening to Statehouse Happenings. FreedomFoodsIndiana.com is here to bring fresh fruits and vegetables right to your door. No need to ever leave the home or deal with the stress that is having to go to the store. FreedomFoodsIndiana.com makes it easy to order fresh fruits and vegetables online with the click of a mouse. I'm Rob Kendall. I love FreedomFoodsIndiana.com and I know you will too. It's a great way to keep your family eating right without the hassle of having to shop. FreedomFoodsIndiana.com I'm Rob Kendall. You're listening to Statehouse Happenings, your weekly look at what's going on with Indiana politics and government. Devoting most of our show today to the big ruling by the Indiana Supreme Court last week, which upheld the ban, not total ban, but near total ban, on abortion in the state of Indiana. Of course, that was passed last summer by the Indiana General Assembly during a special session. Senate Bill 1, as it was known, Ultimately, the Indiana Supreme Court coming down with a 4-1 ruling, and the uh, one judge who did dissent, Christopher Goff, dissenting it appeared not because necessarily he disagreed with restrictions on abortion, but rather he believed it should actually be left up to the people, and that was the directive of the U.S. Supreme Court last year in the Jackson versus Dobbs decision. And again, whether you like it or you don't, uh, this decision by the Indiana Supreme Court was an endorsement on the process working as laid out by the U.S. Supreme Court. And I think that's what we should be most concerned about because so often we see a subversion of the process itself in which, I mean, look at uh, when the U.S. Supreme Court struck down Joe Biden's attempt to just just wave a magic wand and cancel $10,000 of student loan debt. That's not how it works. If you want to cancel student loan debt, there's a process by which you do that. The Congress would have the ability to do that, and if they found merit to it, whether I agree with that or not, at least it was done through the proper channels. And in the case of this ruling by the Indiana Supreme Court endorsing, while maybe not endorsing the policy, we don't know whether they endorsed the actual policy itself, They did endorse the process and the way it was done and whether the law passed by the Indiana General Assembly lives up to the the state of Indiana Constitution. And that's really what we should want is for the process to play out the right way. Because when the process plays out the right way, we get a say. We get a say. And whether you're for or against what happened last year in regards to the, the increasing restrictions on abortion that the Indiana General Assembly came up with, people had a say. People were heard. People had the opportunity to change minds. Now, many minds were probably already made up in the Indiana General Assembly. But they walked through the front door, they being the governor and the General Assembly. And again, many of you know I'm loathe to say good things about certainly the governor or the General Assembly. But in this case, they deserve credit. Because they did much of it the right thing. We have much better policy now in protecting life in this state. But that aside, they did it the right way. The process worked. And we are a society that is founded on and dependent upon 
the people who are in elected office following the processes set forth. Because following the processes set forth, one, promotes transparency, allows everybody to know what's going on, and two, allows involvement in the process, which is the cornerstone, one of the cornerstones of American society. It is a a cornerstone of our system of governance. And in this case, that worked. Yes, I'm happy about the outcome. I, as a pro-life person, am happy that we have more babies being protected. And, And by the way, I just saw that there was some new statistics out from Indiana Capital Chronicle that abortions are down in Indiana this year. And that's awesome. But I'm also excited about the fact that the thing worked the way it was supposed to. It wasn't the governor trying to do it by executive order. It was ideas presented, public is allowed to weigh in, robust debate takes place, and ultimately, excuse me, after a robust debate takes place, people vote. And there were Republicans who voted against this bill, and there were Republicans who thought it went too far, and there were Republicans who thought it didn't go far enough, and that's okay. That's the way the thing is supposed to work. And that was the message sent by the Supreme Court last year, is that this is a decision delegated to the states. This is not a decision. The process is not working. That's one of the things the Supreme Court was saying in that Jackson versus Dobbs decision, or Dobbs versus Jackson decision is that the process is broken. Of course, I think people like Sam Alito and Clarence Thomas believe the outcome is broken, which is the on-demand abortion that is allowed in many places. But even maybe more importantly is that the process itself is broken. And the people deserve in Indiana and in Illinois and in Wisconsin to have a say because powers that are not delegated to the federal government are delegated to the states. And that is such a a thing that has so long ago been completely usurped and something that so many people don't understand is the importance of where things are the power to the state, the state's deciding, and whether and, and in, in instances when something is a power of the federal government, the federal government deciding. We just want, there are so many people now who just want the desired outcome. And they don't care about the process and they don't care about the law being followed, and they don't care about the way things are supposed to work. And that's bad. Because while it may help you in whatever cause du jour that's in front of you, to usurp process, to usurp the way things are supposed to work, eventually there'll come a moment where it's not the thing you want, or it's the opposite of what you want. And the process is so important because it always gives people a voice. In this case, It absolutely worked. I'm Rob Kendall. You're listening to Statehouse Happenings. FreedomFoodsIndiana.com is here to bring fresh fruits and vegetables right to your door. No need to ever leave the home or deal with the stress that is having to go to the store. FreedomFoodsIndiana.com makes it easy to order fresh fruits and vegetables online with the click of a mouse. I'm Rob Kendall. I love FreedomFoodsIndiana.com and I know you will too. It's a great way to keep your family eating right without the hassle of having to shop. FreedomFoodsIndiana.com. Rob Kendall, the program is Statehouse Happenings, your weekly look at what's going on with Indiana politics and government. 
Wrapping up our show today, talking about uh, the Supreme Court last week upholding Indiana's uh, not quite a complete ban on abortion, but certainly much further in terms of restrictions on abortion. A four to one decision uh, in favor of upholding or allowing to go into law Indiana's further restrictions on abortion. Those restrictions will take place August the 1st. Now, there do continue to remain uh, various appeals. There's another lawsuit out there challenging these laws on, on different grounds. So we'll see how that plays out. But at least for now, the uh, restrictions on abortion will go into effect on January on uh, August the 1st. And it is uh, great if you're a pro-life person as I am to see uh, it being harder to end the life of an innocent human uh, it is great to see that we're not going to, as a state, promote, um, you know, the just just brutal murder of lives who have no say in the process, who have done absolutely nothing wrong. And I think all of us in the pro-life community are happy that these, these new restrictions were put in place and are happy that the Supreme Court believed that they were reasonable and, you know, can be justified under Indiana's Constitution. And so there we are with that. Again, I want to thank everybody who tunes into our program this week. I was off on paternity leave, uh, birth of my daughter, Olivia Thatcher. So I was out this week doing the, the program here from home. That's why we don't have a, a guest on with us. But I want to thank everybody for your, your thoughts and your prayers and your well wishes related to that. Prayer is an incredibly powerful thing. And we appreciate everybody who has prayed for us throughout the, the pregnancy process and the birth of our daughter. We'll, we'll be back next week. And look forward to talking to you with a, a guest host as we usually do. And remind everybody, you can find me on Twitter at Rob M. Kendall, at Rob M. Kendall. And you can hear me weekdays 9 until noon, weekdays 9 until noon, the Kendall and Casey show on 93.1 WIBC. I am Rob Kendall. You've been listening to State House Happenings.